Just fucking mute him. Yeah, I'm muting you for the rest. I'm fine, Zach. I'm... <laughs> okay, go ahead. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Small Ball Market, everybody's favorite podcast dedicated to news and discussions surrounding the small market teams of the NBA. My name is Zach Reglin, and joining me, as they always do, are my fantastic co-hosts, Wyatt Reglin and Cody Cook. How you guys doing? I'm in tip-top shape. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. I just watched a nice Blazers win. Everything is going pretty good right now. How about you, Wyatt? I'm doing great. Blazers win, man. Yeah, and we'll get to that later in the podcast, but... uh. I feel like we have a different place that we should start it tonight, even though this happened yesterday at the time of this recording. Um, it's the news that has like shaken the NBA to its core over the last uh, 24 hours. Uh, Derek Rose drops a career-high 50 points. Jimmy Butler's a- not even the best forward ball on that team. Yeah, he drops it in a three-point win over the, min- over the Utah Jazz. Um, and I just wanted to hear you guys talk, all of- hear you guys thoughts on that i know we were all just like we were all super hyped up about this so i just want to hear how you guys felt watching that last night the, this entire pod is just going to be dedicated to gushing about derrick rose because it's 2011 again baby <laughs> it is it just felt like it um i'm already tired of that joke that was circulating <laughs> on Twitter the that halloween he, one yeah that he dressed up as 2011 derrick rose for halloween <laughs> <laughs> I'm already tired of it. I got tired of it within five minutes because everyone was posting it. Oh, man, that's so When's sad. their next game? Let me check. But no, it, dude, it was so – it was it was emo- not only emotional watching the, watching the game, watching him drop the 50 points, but it was emotional, obviously, watching him walk off, walk off the court and uh, do that interview afterwards where he was – he was crying. He was emotional, you know. He, he's – he said he worked his ass off, man, and he did. He works his ass off every day, and he he deserves it more than anybody in the NBA. Yeah, it was that was definitely the part that got it for me too. Just like obviously, we were all getting super into it, like keeping track of how well he was doing. But that moment, just like after the game, when uh, he was celebrating with everybody, and he was kind of trying to get to himself a little bit too, and that picture that they took of him like crying into the towel, that was just like. That was just that something. made me cry almost, man. Yeah, that, that was like one of those. I I haven't seen NBA fans kind of come together over like one thing going on in quite some time, and that was and that was definitely like a moment that like it seemed like everybody was rooting for this guy. Did you see it? It kind of it kind of circulated on Twitter for a while. It was the. Uh the thing where this guy met Derrick Rose outside of a store or something. And he kept telling him like, Oh, Derrick Rose, you're the man, you're the man. And Derrick Rose was like, Oh no, I used to be the man. Like I'm not the man anymore. You know, like I, I just did hear about this. It, it, yeah. And then it showed a picture of him after he dropped 50. And, oh my God. It's just so emotional. Like you said, it, it really is just the entire NBA community rallying around one person. And he, he just, I literally can't say he deserves it enough times. Like, he he deserves it. <laughs> he gave us a flash of what we thought he was going to be capable of 
bubble of since 2011 and then because of injury it just it never happened and now it finally did he gave us a glimpse of what could have been yeah it was just so crazy thinking to the point that's like derrick rose had a career high in 28 you had told me that a two years ago i would have just like laughed in your face that was just something that None of us thought would happen. None of us thought would even become close to happening. We're just like, his best days are behind him. He's a role player for the rest of his career. It was just like, he would, I just didn't think he would ever get the minutes required to score 50 in a game ever again. It came because Jeff Teague and Tyus Jones were both hurt. So they, he got all of the minutes he could handle yesterday. Yeah, Jimmy Butler rested. So, uh, not going to lie, I wanted the game to go to OT so we could go for 60. Yeah, that would have been something. But uh, I mean, he still, he played 41 minutes. Like, in in true Tom Thibodeau fashion, he scored 50 points in 41 minutes. Like You know, I told Zach yesterday, I'm still going to find a way to tra- trash on Tom Thibodeau for this. He's a shitty coach. <laughs> <laughs> just, Straight up, no, he's just, no, he's not a good coach. No reason needed, just... Tom Thibodeau is a bad coach. Yeah, but this was this was one of those moments when I was happy that he was playing Rose so much because it was just like, God, I gotta know the last time Derrick Rose played forty one minutes in a game. A long time ago. Yeah, yeah, that was a long. No, I know he's been playing for Tibbs for quite a while. I bet he did last year sometime. <laughs> yeah, no, but like like you said, Zach, um, it's just I don't I don't know I don't think. Obviously, I could be wrong. Anybody could be wrong, but I don't think he's going to go back to that MVP MVP uh, level of play. But I think he's definitely showing progression in the right direction. He's definitely trending upwards, and he's definitely um, producing more than he has in years past. The thing trending right now for Derrick Rose is people are saying he's sixth man of the year. Yeah, but I don't even know if he'll be... Uh at that like if he'll be on the on the ballot be on the bench, that's that's the he's yeah, gonna be exactly. on the bench it sounds like jeff teague is gonna be starter again when jeff teague comes back well that's the thing is i don't know if you look at their production and you look at their value when they both play 30 plus minutes it's derrick rose is is producing more i think he has a legitimate a, a legitimate claim to be a starter Either way, one of those two would be a good six-man of the year. Either way, Jeff Teague would make a good six-man of the year. By the way, guys, I just checked. Uh, the last time he played 40 minutes in a game uh, was uh, in 2017, early when he was still, like, uh, early 2017 when he still played for the Knicks. Crazy. Ooh. What <laughs> was his line? Time, yeah. Was it an overtime uh, game? Um, in this one, I don't believe so. It was a uh, he. His line was only sixteen points, four assists, six rebounds. Well, a little bit better this time around. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. Um, <laughs> it was it was just a great thing to see. I remember talking to you, Zach, last night about it about how if you would have told me in twenty eighteen that this would have happened, I would we we both would have said you're crazy. Yeah, but it was, it, it's just like one of those moments where everybody just came together in the NBA, and it's just it was a beautiful thing to see. Yeah, I don't think I've seen uh, NBA NBA fans come together like this since uh, Kobe's last game. Like everyone's yeah. simultaneously rooting for a player, and uh, 
oddly enough, also against Utah. <laughs> I was going to say, I thought about that today, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Utah fans are not loving the historical moments happening against their team, but uh, we're all loving them. <laughs> I feel like this is a good momentum thing for the Timberwolves, too, because they came in and they Jimmy Butler bailed on them yesterday, by the way. They, Jimmy Butler just said he wasn't playing. He's totally healthy, but he just sat out. Mm-hmm. which I feel like this could be a big momentum swing for the Timberwolves moving forward as a team because they they prove they can win against a good team without Jimmy Butler being there. Well, I don't even I don't even know if that has anything to do with it. I just think that's that their management is so stuck in their ways that they're too stupid to take any decent offer for Jimmy Butler. They want they want the world in return and they're Four not first it. round picks. Yeah, they yeah. Who turns down four first round picks for somebody that's going to walk in free agency? You've got to be absolutely out of your mind to turn that down. We've seen what happens like with those multiple years of first round picks giving up. Danny Ainge is fucking yeah. rolling you, it. Like, you wind geez. up like the Celtics. You wind up like the yeah. Celtics, and is that a fucking bad thing? <laughs> if it, yeah, that's the perfect place to be in. And uh, of course, the those picks wouldn't likely be as valuable as the ones that Brooklyn gave up. But of course, at the time, a lot of people thought that Brooklyn was going to be really good and that those picks wouldn't have, uh, wouldn't be super valuable. Get those four first round picks for Jimmy. Then what you're going to do is you're going to go trade somebody good to the Nets and then you're going to take their first round pick again because they got their first round pick back this year. It's time to go kill them again. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, I I don't know about the whole Timberwolves situation. What I do know is that if there's one person that I'm rooting for on that team, it's Derrick Rose. And if with Jimmy Butler, hopefully, God willing, hopefully being gone by the trade deadline, that's you know one less person taking up minutes at the shooting guard role. So I think that'll free up hopefully some minutes for Derrick Rose, and I would. I would love just as much as anybody to see him in a starting lineup producing, you know, somewhere Solid around numbers. 20 points. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't know if this will be the spark that starts his career, you know, trending upwards again, but I hope that this 50-point game starts to, you know, give him that confidence to be able to produce high volume again. Shows he can still do it, so. Yeah, he scored 28 points. Uh, just like less than two weeks ago. So, I mean, we know we've seen it that his scoring ability is still there right now, which is. Which Tomorrow, is Derek Rose faces the Warriors, too. Yeah. Uh, Perfect. He's going for 60. If he goes for 60 tomorrow, okay. If the Timberwolves have another 50-point game tomorrow, if D-Rose has a 50-point game tomorrow again against the Warriors and they win, um, I'm going to fucking die i don't know but i'm gonna immediately go into cardiac arrest from all the excitement twitter would melt it would just just, uh, he would just he would just win mvp right there we would just call it he just wins yeah we give him a we give him a championship trophy it's like game seven we're already considering it a win the season's just canceled from here on out they just fucking win it by the way, guys, I just checked that. So the 28-point game that he had, that's, that was his – obviously the 50-point game made it his second game of the season where he scored over 25, 
we're kind of seeing him start to trend back in that way. He didn't have a single one in the 2017-18 season. The last time he scored over 25 before this season was uh, a game back in March of 2017, back when he was playing for the Knicks. And that one was actually a win. But uh, but I'm just going through that and just seeing it's like he's just putting up numbers that he hasn't put up in quite some time. So it's just like really – it's really fantastic to see because I'm – It's the I'm first time he's been actually fully healthy in a long time too. Yeah, and I'm in the boat that he wasn't bad when he played for the Knicks. No, but the Knicks yeah. were just bad. Yeah, the Knicks were bad. He was actually decent when he was on that team, and it was just weird how quickly they were they were to give up on him, how quick they were to give up on them. And, yeah, I don't know. It's I'm just – Maybe he's just found his role with the Timberwolves. We all know that, like, we trash on Tibbs a lot, but we know that he knows Tibbs' system. He knows Mm -hmm. how to play with him. Hell, half the guys on the team were former teammates of his, so he knows how to play with these guys. This is just, like, maybe it's just, like, everything's aligning in the perfect situation for him to have a big role going forward, which would be awesome. I think – I think where we leave it on Derrick Rose is just that he's got the eyes of all the NBA fans on him right now, and everyone's rooting for him. Everyone wants to see him succeed. Yeah, exactly. We're all gonna be we're all gonna be rooting for him going forward. There was somebody I saw on Twitter recently. I can't remember. Like, I I mean, a few people were saying this too. They're like, "Why is everybody becoming Derrick Rose fans all of a sudden?" And it's like, dude, fuck, we never stopped. <laughs> yeah, it was, just, it was just a lot of us had moved on to the point where none of us thought that he was going to be that player again. And I don't think those people should pretend like they thought he was going to be that player again because I don't think anybody did. Yeah, everybody yeah. loves a good comeback story, man. Next next comeback story is for Greg Oden to come back and just fucking kill it. <laughs> yeah. I would take Brandon Roy, but he's busy coaching a high well, school. Well, when you look at this, uh, Greg Oden's got a chip, doesn't he? Doesn't he have one with the Heat? No, he lost. No, yeah. Or was it 2014? Was he just that team? Yeah, he was just on that team. Oh, by the way, Cody, Roy stepped down as the... I thought he just moved. No, he stepped down. He moved schools. Like, he did move high schools, and then he stepped down. I guess he just doesn't want to do it anymore for whatever reason. He should come coach in the NBA, going up to college at least. Very yeah, possible. But I guess we should move on from uh, Derrick Rose and just like, as what Cody said, we're all rooting for him. He has everyone in the NBA rooting for him. But uh, let's segue on over to the rest of the league. And the I, I thought, yeah, well, that's really exactly <laughs> what I wanted. We'll, Easy. Start, we'll, start, we'll start with you, Wyatt, then on that. We are going to talk about uh, teams who have, uh, small market teams who have really like not necessarily defied expectations, but have just been like really impressive this year. And uh, Wyatt, we'll start with you since there's no suspense on who you're going to pick. Okay, I'm going <laughs> to go with the, uh, this is not Wyatt's lukewarm takes. This is the Lucas, Lucas, Lucas warm take I've ever had in my entire life. The Kings will be the eighth seed in the playoffs this year. Okay. Oh, Jesus Christ. For some context, the Knicks are uh, uh, not the Knicks. The Kings are six and three right now. <laughs> Bezalika is yeah. playing out of his mind. He's going to be the most improved player. De'Aaron Fox is going to win MVP. 
Yeah, uh, we should say something about Aaron Fox tonight. What do you have? It was 31 points, 10 rebounds, 14 assists. Yeah, the youngest player in history to ever uh, ever have a 30-point triple-double. Yeah, that was that was insane. Like that like, Oh, is was, it really? Indeed. LeBron was the LeBron was the previous record holder. That's not surprising either. Um but I thought Lonzo broke that last year. Oh, did he? he? I think Lonzo had the youngest triple double. He never had a thirty. Oh, yeah, not yeah, thirty point, point triple double. Yeah, um, but De'Aaron Fox, he—it's not like he was bad last year. He was actually pretty good last year at certain times, and uh, it was just—he just never did. Any, I don't think he ever put up a major stat line that made everyone go wild last season. So this was like the first time that he really came out. And really got the attention of everybody. He was playing Atlanta, though. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, of course, Atlanta's really bad, but uh, at the same time, <laughs> not the worst. His numbers for the year are great, though. He's averaging 19 points a game, 4.6 rebounds, 7.8 assists, 1.4 steals, with five three throws a game. The only thing that's kind of bad is he's averaging almost three and a half turnovers. But, like, he's increased on every single t- statistic that he has. Yeah, and if he can keep that up, I mean, it's a great thing moving forward for the Kings. I mean, we knew going into the 2017 draft, like this was reported everywhere before going in, that he was their guy. He was the one they wanted at five, and he fell to them. So that was, it's just, it's really cool seeing the Kings, someone who the Kings actually wanted, be like kind of actually living up to his expectations for once. They're on a five-game win streak, so yeah, it's it's a it's a, I I mean I think they are gonna I'm I was joking about the AFC they are gonna go back to Earth, but I I it's a good thing to see for and if I were Kings fans I would be happy right about now showing that this team has a lot of potential for the future. Yeah, that they might have found a diamond in Deer and Fox. Yeah, they really do have a. They really do have a solid young core, and I think we were talking about this Wyatt the other day that they don't, they don't have a reason to tank. Nope, because they don't own their draft pick. If uh, if the first if if they get the first overall pick in the lottery, the Sixers get the pick. Anything below that, from second to thirty, the Celtics get. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, the rich get richer. Mm-hmm. Hey man, that's just uh, that's just good strats right there. God damn, yeah. Danny Ainge just fucking piling the picks. He's you know, it's like I'm like you know I'm like he shouldn't even pick somebody. He should go trade for somebody good. And then it's like no, they already have a team of all good players. Like they already are having enough time trying to get their good players to get minutes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but. Since the Kings obviously aren't in the same status as the Celtics, they just... Uh, what are you talking about? Yeah, they have to work with what they got right now, and so far they have a good team moving forward. I mean, Kings are 6-3. and three. I don't know what Boston's record is, but I'm pretty sure it's around the same. 6-2. Uh, They're 6-2. Yeah. Uh, but I think... Uh, uh, yeah, that's pretty much all I think we have to say about the Kings, but uh, how about you, Cody? What what team has impressed you so far? Um, I got I got a couple. I guess I guess San Antonio is what I'll say because I don't I Ooh. don't want to pick the one I don't want to pick the one that you're gonna pick because I 
I'm pretty confident I know what it is. But uh, so yeah, San Antonio has honestly really surprised me. I feel like they've had a lot less struggle than I thought they would, just adjusting to having DeRozan as their centerpiece. Um, they've played a few less games than everybody else. They're only five and two, and they're the fourth seed in the West. But as of right now, they look they look promising. It looks like they've kind of worked out the kinks a lot faster than people suspected them to. Yeah, um, DeRozan's collecting skulls this season, and I'm oh, like hundred yeah. percent here for it. He's just he's just destroying guys right now. And uh, here I'm pulling up his stats right now. He's uh he's averaging twenty eight a game right now. And the really crazy one for me is he's averaging seven point three assists. Yeah, that you will you know he's never really aside from you know aside from the Marcus Aldridge right. He's the he's the go-to guy, right? There is nobody else. There is no Kyle Lowry there. So him and Kyle Lowry kind of were the Dame and CJ of Toronto. They played in tandem. You know, they were the one and two. And so they kind of divided up the spotlight. But in in San Antonio now, he's the man. He's LaMarcus, the man. LaMarcus Aldridge is sort of a thing of the past at this point. LaMarcus um, is getting 20 and nine right now, but that's... That's solid for a second player, for a second option. Like, yeah, but I think I think Demar Derozan is undeniably their their best and their go to player. Oh, exactly. Yeah, and uh, I don't think I don't think you could have said the same for that and Kyle Lowry. I think it was more of a debate at that point. Yeah, I was always, I always thought that it was Derozan. Yeah, me best too. Player but... on the team, but. Uh, Lowry did have a good argument, and he was obviously their primary uh, distributor. And mm-hmm. because the Spurs don't have a point guard right now, DeRozan's assist numbers are like through the roof. Has he been playing the point at all? Uh, I think he has. Like he's been obviously been the primary ball handler. On I, like I haven't watched much of the Spurs games really. I haven't had much of a chance. Yeah, well, uh, he's currently averaging career highs across the board right now and his assist his assist numbers are at 7.3 a game last year was his career best with 5.2 it's, hmm. it's like so he's shattering like, it it's just a product of the spurs system in my opinion it's you just think- like like it's not like not giving all the credit to the Spurs system, but just like putting him in a different one that's like less ISO ball and more ball movement. And right. uh, like obviously his strength is kind of ISO ball, but I do think that he does have what it takes to like fit in that Popovich system. Right. And well, he's been a you know, he's been an all-star before many many times and he's been putting up all-star numbers many times and so it just shows that his level of play has escalated that much more you know to that next step under Popovich and in the Spurs system that he's able to put up career highs even when his stats have been very good in years past yeah um why do you guys think that before the season you know a lot of people nowadays I mean are really really sleeping on the Spurs why do you think that is? Because last year they were still the seventh seed in the West, and they also they just added an all-star to their team this offseason. And why did people expect them to get worse? I don't know, Zach. Why did you expect them to get worse? I was gonna say I kind of uh, I in hindsight. I mean, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty. I admit that that was a terrible take, in my opinion. That the Spurs. <laughs> 
that good. I think it was for me, it was mostly under the factors of like the West just got better. The I just thought that there were the West was too deep. They the morale seemed low on this team with uh Kawhi. With Kawhi being gone, Tony Parker leaving, uh, Manu Ginobili retiring, it just felt like one of those like because we like watching the Spurs last year. Ginobili straight up won some games for them last year and had yeah, for, yeah like at forty years old, and he's done that over the last few years. It was just like one of those like I don't know. It just but they didn't feel deep enough. Like they like they had a good like core two players in DeRozan and Aldridge, but there that I felt I felt like that can only take you so far. And obviously we're really early in the season. We don't know like what's gonna happen with the Spurs, but so far it's pretty good. And uh I do take back my terrible take of like them not being very good. Like and I I'm not I'm not like to the point where I'm like guaranteeing a playoff spot for them or you can't guarantee a spot for anybody in the West, but yeah, no, I think uh, <sighs> I think if you go back to when this trade happened, I think if back then if you had to pick a loser in the trade, a majority of people would have picked the Spurs, right? Because you're giving up Danny Green, you know, one of your best defenders, and you're giving up Kawhi Leonard, arguably a top three player in the league. So, you know, that being said looking at it from the point of view of the past, you're not expecting DeRozan to come in and play at a, you know, first or second all NBA team caliber. You're not expecting him to. Right. You know, but he, that's exactly what he's doing. He's coming out and he's fitting into their system miraculously. Well, he's, he's molding, he's blending a lot faster than people thought he would. And he's just, he's taken over this team. He's claimed it as his team and he's just playing out of his mind um yeah but uh i think one thing that i'm gonna say is i don't think everyone thought that they lost the trade immediately because you know a lot of people still uh did and still have the thought that Kawhi is gonna leave over the summer mm-hmm. so obviously in sure. that sense a lot of people thought they were losing the trade but in terms of like and but then also at the same time, a lot of people thought that the Spurs made a dumb trade by thinking they should mm-hmm. go into full rebuild mode and should have been trading him for assets and picks and just prepare for the post Warriors era. But right, I felt like the more I thought about it, the more I liked that trade for the Spurs. Mm-hmm. You know, like obviously I had my about the team where I thought that they weren't going to be that good this year, but I did like the idea that they were trying to keep a competitor out there. As long as pops there, they should be trying to win. Exactly. Like trying to keep a good, a good team together for Popovich's last couple seasons. There's there's only a few years left. Yeah. At the most, he might even be done at the end of this season. You said, didn't he say that he was going to retire in 2020? That's when he was thinking about it. Well, people thought after, you know, after his wife and after Tony and Mono Ginobili, they and thought it was done. Obviously, Duncan, you know, it, the he was done. You know, he had he came in, he did his time with his core group of guys, and he was going to be out. But he's, you know, he's just really dedicated to this franchise, he's got man. The new regime, yeah. 
Okay, yeah, and I think that's, you know, probably a good good spot to end it on the Spurs. Uh, Zach, you can talk about the Nuggets now. <laughs> um, the Nuggets were, the, yeah, the, you were kind of right that the Nuggets were the team that I was going to go with because uh, they have been absolutely insane this season to start it off, and they don't even have Isaiah Thomas back yet. Who uh, Or Will Barton. Yeah, or Will Barton, and we talked about, like, how how big of an addition Isaiah Thomas was going to be, but they've just been on fire so far. Uh, they don't need him. <laughs> Jokic has been fantastic. Yes. Yeah, I know you don't really like Jokic, but I'm going to kind of like move Do it to Denver as well. <laughs> Wait, what did you say? Jokic is fat. <laughs> like, I don't understand how he moves so quick. That's like, you could tell he's like the most out of shape setter and like, he looks like he's not like Milos Teodosic, who like obviously like smokes cigarettes at halftime, but <laughs> <laughs> no, but dude. What, like, my you least, can tell my, like before the game, this dude's stuffing cheeseburgers in his face. Uh, my least favorite thing about Jokic isn't even like how fat he is or how he plays. It's just <laughs> that he he he's a good player, and I can admit that. It's just I hate how much people like unashamedly just ride his dick like the advanced stats twitter just absolutely rides jokic's dick and it just drives me fucking yeah, crazy well, like there are guys who will try and convince you that jokic is a top 10 player based on, like, it, no based shut on, like, up his no work. you're wrong and shit and, but yeah you know i dude's gonna gain lose 30 pounds before <laughs> telling me that he's like a top 10 player i'm not against advanced stats like I look at them and uh, like there's a lot that you can get from them, but there are some people who weigh them way too much when uh, when discuss when discussing the NBA. And I don't think that you should completely rely. Like there are always people who go like, "Oh, but when you look at the eye test, this guy's better." Like eye test is also fucking stupid because if you only rely on that, you let your biases come in a little more in effect mm-hmm. like you're just like you could basically you basically you could like the, i hate to put this on the pod but uh the kobe lebron debate literally every single mm-hmm. statistic basically you can show that lebron is a better player all time than kobe Bryant. you know i think they got his rings but doug doug just thinks that kobe's better because he looks <laughs> but you can have uh yeah you can just but then you can just have a kobe fan just sit, go straight yeah but if you look at the eye test kobe's better like okay well, what the wrong heck that even false. mean but <laughs> yeah that's the yeah that's the, it's just two sides that you can look at but yeah i feel like when evaluating players you have to have a mixture of both and right. i feel like when you watch jokic he like he's obviously a great player, but mm-hmm. you could name probably fifteen, at least fifteen guys who are better. Oh, than at him. least, at least. But yeah, um, like his advanced stats show that he's a fantastic player at times, but also he puts up stat lines that are like extremely low at times, and you're just like, and you just wonder like, why is this guy considered to be at the top of? considered to be at the top of the league when you don't have other players in the league being inconsistent like that. But overall, I feel like Denver's finally starting to take the turn that we knew that they could take with him as their best player. And I don't think that they're going to be at the top of the West by the end of the 
end of the regular season. But I feel like yeah, they could be in the top four. Um, but yeah. Who knows, man? With with Isaiah Thomas and Will Barton back, they could they could bide for a top seed in the East yeah. or West. Fuck what? Yeah, Isaiah will be fantastic when he comes. I'm still under the impression that Isaiah will be like, if he's not a starter, he'll be like one of the best six men in the NBA. I'm ready for it, man. Yeah, me too. People talk about the D Rose comeback story. I know it's not quite as good, but I'm ready for the Isaiah Thomas comeback story. Oh, I think we all are. Um, I think on that we should move right along to a uh, Blazers corner, our um, the portion of every single podcast where we uh, talk about our beloved Portland Trail Blazers, and it's coming at a really nice time right now because uh, hold on, hold on, let me just start this off by saying we beat the Pelicans on what November November first, the day after Halloween. God damn, were these refs fucking terrible? Oh, they were bad. Let me just They're get that teams. right. <laughs> It, it wasn't even a thing for just our team. It was like they were – they were. I, I don't know. I think it was at the end of the third quarter. It went like they were calling every single thing, like every touch foul for both teams. And then the last like minute of the third quarter, they just fucking let us kill each other. Like they were like people were falling on the floor and it just it, – nobody did anything. They didn't call fouls and it was like – uh, okay, you just decided to stop blowing the whistle? Consistently inconsistent, man. Yeah. Uh, they were calling a lot of really touchy fouls tonight, and I feel like that's just been like a product of like uh, some of the rule changes that the NBA has made over the offseason. They were talking about that. Yeah, like roughing well. the passer? Yeah, exactly. It's kind of <laughs> in the same mode as those NFL uh rule changes they were talking about that a lot on the broadcast tonight about how uh, much different the rules are now and how uh how they've just recently implemented rules make it a lot more difficult for the defense which has kind of led to a scoring boom in the league this season which i mean it's noticeable i mean the blazers put up 132 tonight and it seemed pretty effortless in my opinion, at least. Yeah, I mean, they shot a pretty high percentage yeah. from the field and from the three tonight, but... Yeah, they did, um, but... Uh, talking on... Touching a little bit on defense, it um Julius Randle absolutely ate us alive, but that's... You know, it's no secret that the Blazers' weakness is low post defense. Um, on the bright side, what I do want to talk about is one person that did seem to be able to keep things kind of at bay um, was Zach Collins. Yeah, he- Looked amazing tonight. He has been absolutely incredible so far this year. Like his defense has been so good. Like one thing, this is such a random thing to notice about a player, but one thing that I absolutely love about him that he's extremely good at is whenever he jumps on defense, he goes straight up. Oh, every time, dude, it's crazy. He's one of the. He's probably the best on the team at that, and I'm just like thinking like. This is what you need. Like he doesn't like he gets called for a lot of he gets called for fouls when he jumps up a lot, but he I feel like a lot of those like shouldn't be called. Like I feel like Yeah, you know, really it's, it's kinda like I was talking to you earlier about it's it's I don't want to, but I just kind of attribute it to his age. I mean, he's a young guy and I know, you know, there's no evidence to back this up, obviously, but I feel like a lot of those fouls get called on him just because it is older veteran guys and you know, he's a younger guy. So, you know, it's just kind of one of those things where you have to earn your way into the NBA and you start to gain the respect of the referees a little bit more and, through, you know, become a little more, 
um, a little more well known throughout the league that you start getting not those tic tacky foul calls. Yeah, and we knew that when uh, we didn't re-sign Ed Davis, that his minutes were going to go to Zach Collins as the backup five, and uh, I don't know. So far, he's been he's served in that role extremely well. Like I thought that I I liked Ed and him together last year with him as a stretch four, but I've also really liked him as a five this year. Like it, I don't know. He's just going up and he's just, been kind of, he's been kind of the stretch big that we're looking for, that we've been looking for for so long that we, that the Blazers have tried out so many times. have never quite seemed to have since LaMarcus left us. So, but yeah, I, I'm not saying that he's on that level, but he, he's coming in as like a really good contributor and he's, He's the sixth man now. Like, it seems like it, at least. Like, for a while, it was Evan Turner, but he feels like the sixth man. Yeah. Um, I don't know about you, but I would go as far to say that Zach Collins is maybe, aside from Chief, the best defender on the team. I would I would go that far. I would I would probably say that Zach Collins is the best defensive player on the I Blazers. I think that Al Farouk Aminu is the probably the best like most versatile perimeter, defender. Yeah, per- perimeter and like most versatile defender on the team. Mm-hmm. But Zach Collins is he yeah, he's the be- he's probably the best defensive player on the team. I would I would go that far. Nurk's not far behind him though. Yeah, Nur- Nurkic Nurkic, I have my issues with Nurkic in the fact that he you can guard big yeah, guys, he can, but he's also slower than a lot of big guys too, and he doesn't jump right. very high. But he does, but just his size and presence disrupt disrupts players a lot, right? And that's just something. the thing I love about him is he contests every shot. Well, uh... that's also been one of my favorite things about Nurkic this year is that. He's finally realized that he's seven foot two eighty. Crazy. Yeah, like it's like it finally just seemed to like dawn on him this year. He's actually Oh, I'm under back the rim. Back to back twenty point games. I'm under the rim. I maybe I actually should just dunk it home on these guys instead of like doing a little baby jump hook that does nothing <laughs> and bounces off the side of the rim. It's like if it's if he keeps playing as good, do you guys think there's a chance Nurkic could become the second option instead of CJ? No. No. Yeah. <laughs> you don't think so? It's just CJ only took eight shots tonight. Yeah, uh CJ is kind of a different story right now. He has not been having a good year so far. Um He's his numbers are way down tonight. He only had eight points, and uh, yeah, it's I, I that's that's the biggest issue that I have with this team right now. That CJ just is not look like his numbers look down. Hit just everything, just everything about him is like below. He's only shooting like God. What he's got to be shooting like only around like forty percent right now from the. Yeah. I mean, one one good takeaway from CJ not playing up to his usual standard is that it is kind of giving, you know, Stauskas, Lehman, Seth Curry, you know, those guys more more time to kind of get in the rotation and make up for their. uh, They are taking some of his shots too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's kind of giving them a chance to 
pick up where CJ is lacking right now. Eventually, this is going to open up for CJ again because they're going to have to. Start, people are going to start scouting on our bench and realizing our bench is now a good bench, and it's going to open up for CJ to do more stuff. So yeah, I was seeing a stat tonight that said we're like in the like, top five in bench points in the league this year, and that's yeah. Woo! Anyone who's been Blazer, uh, been a Blazers fan over the last, I don't know, probably decade, has like. Like we're not used to this. We are not used to seeing a strong bench. We're used to seeing like some good players, a solid starting lineup, and then in a shitty, oh, shitty yeah, bench, and then a bench that can't play at all. And well, dude, after we get Jimmy Butler and Chief moves to the bench, we're gonna be solid. <laughs> yeah. Um. I but one thing in for real, what this bench is doing is I. We, I feel like we underestimated the additions of, like, Stauskas and Seth Curry. I feel like all of us kind of had, like, a resounding, like, meh about those signings. Oh, for sure. And, but so far they have opened up the floor so much. We're that along with the fact that Collins is a better shooter now. Uh, hell, even Nurkic is kind of, like, spaced out his game a little bit. And, uh, but just, like, all that has, like, changed the fact that Dame and CJ are no longer the only good shooters on this team. Like the only consistent three-point shooters. And for sure. So basically it used to be to beat Portland, if you shut down Dame and CJ, they didn't have like any other shooters. Now this team has a lot of guys who can shoot the ball, which is, it just completely changes the dynamic of this team. Right. And just, just the way with defensive spacing works out if you have you know Dame and CJ on the court at the same time and you have those other guys that can't stretch the floor it does make it easier to double team on the perimeter you know it the defensive rotation isn't that hard to make when you're only having to worry about two good shooters but now if you have you know say if even if you only have one of the two say you only have Dame on the floor and then you have Stauskas and you have um, Seth Curry or Mo or Zach Collins you know if all of those guys can confidently knock down a three-pointer. So that really Collins takes, is some big ones tonight. Yeah, that really takes away your option to just strictly double-team one person. It's also uh, opened up the fact for Dame. I feel like, especially with Dame this year, I feel like I've been seeing him drive a lot more because right. the, the, stretching out the defense yeah, exactly. that, it completely opens up the lanes for him. Well, yeah, because when the big step out, yeah, yeah, there's one less body in the lane. Yeah, and Dame really hasn't had that for a lot of his career. Like, basically, at least since Lamarcus left, we haven't had that in Portland. And Dame, and like whenever it seems like whenever Dame would attack the rim, he'd get blocked. Like he gets blocked. Like I remember last year, he was one of the most blocked players in the league, and that was partially because we had no one who could space the floor. So whenever he decided to attack, the big guys were already there. Exactly. Well, now if Nurk starts hitting threes consistently, this is going to really open things up. Yeah, I don't I don't have the confidence that he'll hit that consistently throughout the year, but I like the fact that he's hit a couple so far this year. Literally a couple. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks it too. He's hit back-to-back games. Yeah, but the fact that he's doing that is nice in the fact that uh that you know you now know that teams probably are going to stop leaving him wide open back there. 
all 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 that we need is for them to come out. All we need is for them to know that Nurk is capable of yeah. hitting a three, and then they have to come out and play D on him. Exactly. That's all we need from it. But yeah. So far the Blazers are looking good. They're six and two. They're third in the West. I don't know if they're gonna keep it up, but I feel like I actually I'm gonna ask you guys this. Do you think the play of the bench is sustainable? Yes. I don't think the see the thing is I don't think they're playing at an absolutely outstanding level. I think they're just coming in and just doing what's expected of them, which is all we need. I don't think anybody's exceeding the question is this sustainable? It's, it seems like it would be a pretty easy yes because nobody's really going above and beyond their role. Stauskas is averaging ten a game. Stauskas I mean, that's, the only that's one. that was the only that was the only the game against the Lakers was really like the only time that a player went like above and beyond his role was when Stauskas. Well, and you're gonna have those nights where everybody has their breakout nights, but aside from that, Stauskas averaging ten points is. You know, pretty much about where we all thought he would be. I, you know, that's obviously higher than what Connington averaged because um, Stauskas is his replacement. But he's a, we all knew that he was a better player than Connington. So I think this is pretty much what was expected of everybody. Uh, I didn't. I didn't. I don't think any of us thought Stauskas would be a ten because Connington averaged around like five, and we all. So yeah, like he was like five point seven. Yeah, we all. Stauskas is a better shooter than Connington. We all thought that he would give us kind of the same numbers as Connington. Well, I mean, we all thought we all. I think we all knew that he was a better shooter. Yeah. So, but you know, he's not. He's you know, he's not averaging twenty. He's not biting for a starting role. He's. He is a bench player, and he is doing his job just like everybody else. Nobody is playing at an unsustainable level. I like him a lot because he moves off ball so well, too. Yeah. Speaking of starting, though, I am still a little confused that Jake Lehman's been in the starting lineup and then plays like, it's like the ball thing, like five to ten minutes a game. It's like it, it, I think it's because Mo. Yeah, yeah, I feel like that'll change once Mo comes back too. Stotts is super. Oh fuck! I forgot Mo's not even playing. Yeah, the weird, the weirdest thing about I forgot Stotts, he was on our team. <laughs> yeah, the weird thing about Stotts is that uh, that's always been the weirdest thing about Stotts that when a starter is hurt and misses a game, he goes to the third string as the starter to not mess with the bench. Right, which is weird. It's kind of weird. You don't. You're not used to seeing things like that. But yeah, but we do need a strong bench. Yeah, I but, like it. I like I, it. It's it's interesting. And so far, it's like I prefer. I would rather him be in the starting lineup, I guess, than Evan Turner. So well, you know, it's kind of like when you play with third stringers, you play with second stringers, you play at that level. I think the goal or the hope anyways is kind of that if you stick him in there with those starters, he kind of gets a chance to elevate his game and, you know, be surrounded with that starting unit and kind of rise to the occasion. Yeah. And if, yeah, Layman will definitely get opportunities if, as long as he's still starting, like he'll get, he'll get some shots in there because they'll have, they'll have defenders going after Damon CJ. But Layman sure. had a good night too. Yeah. He had a decent night. He was he was perfect from the field for four for four three three pointers. Hey, that's pretty good. Yeah, I I liked Layman this off season. I liked a lot what he did. Yeah, 
I, and I hope that he continues to have a decent role. But, uh, but back to the bench real quick. I want to talk more a little bit about the bench. Um, when you said before that, is it the sustainable? It's like, I don't even think our bench has reached its maximum potential yet. I like, I still think Seth Curry's still coming back from injury, and I don't feel like he's at 100%. I, I think I agree with you in that. Yeah, I, I agree that he hasn't really gotten into his role yet. And I do think that he can be potentially one of the best bench players on the team. So, yeah. I think right now is a good medium. I think right now is a good average. I think this play, this level of play, is what the bench will continue to play at all year. I think you will have outliers in the sense that there will be days when they play worse and there will be days when they play considerably better but i think this um because you know you don't have seth curry playing the best basketball um but you have other guys like stauskas playing at a higher level Swan again i expect yeah swan again so i think um i think right now is about what we can expect throughout the rest of the year yeah yeah I'm really liking Swanigan too. I think Swanigan came in and stole Myers' spot. Yeah, he probably did because it was between him and Myers for like that other big man spot. And we know that Myers wasn't going to be in that point for very long. So I kind of like I like that Swanigan has kind of taken that role. But uh, do you guys have any other thoughts on the Blazers? No, I think I think the consensus is that you know we're hopeful. Yeah, I'm hopeful. It looks like Zach Collins has taken a step this year from last year, and that's hopefully we're just going to improve on that next year, and he's just going to continue to get better. Yeah, I'm a lot more optimistic than I was at the end of the season last year, and then at the end, absolutely, the and everything like that. I'm just feeling I'm feeling good about this team right now. They look solid. Uh, they look good. Yeah. Um, but I think after that we should move right along to uh. Our other favorite uh, weekly topic. Well, that's more or less our favorite topic. Uh, <laughs> but up in the air sometimes. Uh, why? I don't think there has yet to be like a very, like um, just an absolutely atrocious. Take. The first one was pretty bad. I said Carmelo would make Houston better. Yeah, yeah that uh, one was way off so far. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm just thinking Carmelo should just retire. But uh <laughs> Honestly, because honestly, he can't hit anything. He looks he looks atrocious. But yep. um, but Wyatt, do you have a lukewarm take for us? Yes, I do. All right. Okay, guys. Trey Young will be better than Lonzo Ball by the end of this season. Ooh, I'm all aboard. You're all aboard. Okay, I want to. He's not getting that much publicity right now either. But I, I gotta say, if Trey Young was on the Lakers right now, they'd be treating him like the second coming of Jesus. <laughs> I mean, they already kind of treat Lonzo like that too. But Lonzo's trash, so it doesn't matter. Well, well, okay, well, relax. Um, I Dude can't shoot. Well, yeah, that's that's the thing. Is it's it's a well known fact. That players who can shoot are more NBA ready straight out of college. So that being said, Lonzo and Trey Young both are very high IQ basketball players. Um, Lonzo's definitely a better rebounding point guard, but you know, scoring obviously goes to Trey Young. So you know, defense goes to Lonzo. Yeah, it's Lonzo is just in that weird spot right now, man. I, I, this is a, this is a tough debate for me because as you guys both know, I was I'm pr- I'm a pretty big defender of both those players, but I think I'm a bit more of a Lonzo defender yeah. than a Young defender. 
And Ouch. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm still I I don't know, man. I think I I love watching Lonzo play. It's it's like his shot is not very good. I will admit that. And but at the same time, the dude is just straight up efficient. Like he's like mm-hmm. you no know, like he's a really smart player in the fact that he plays. Like he's he's like the more ball like dream because he pretty much only takes layups and threes, <laughs> and he's an extremely gifted passer, probably already one of the best passers, like one of the better passers in the league, because like, he's just he just has that ability, he just has some great court vision, and I'm still on the boat that Lonzo is gonna be. Oh, like not a superstar, but a really good player. And I think that Trey Young is also in that road that he'll be a really good player. But I feel like I see it a little more in Lonzo than I do in Trey Young. Um, I don't think more and more I'm starting to uh to come to the conclusion that this Lakers team is not the team for Lonzo to thrive in. Huh, interesting. Um, I, I think they're great for him. You know, it's just with... Obviously, you're going to learn from LeBron, right? But that aside, I feel like he would do better in a more... Um, you know, in a Steve Kerr or a Popovich or... No, no knocking against Luke Walton, but he just has a different, uh, different brand, different play style. I think Lonzo would benefit more from a t- more team-oriented system. I was just thinking about this today, too. We saw how well Julius Randle did tonight, and Julius Randle played great, by the way. I've, I've never mentioned that against the, about the game tonight. Julius Randle was a monster. But uh, b- could the Lakers be bad at developing some of their young talent? Because it looked like the Pelicans have utilized Randle so much better. Would you blame it on the system the Lakers were running last year, or would you blame it more on the development well, that's the thing is I, th- every, every player has a certain system or a certain team that they would benefit most from being on or playing in. And, you know, I think it just, it's sometimes it's pure luck. Sometimes it's, you know, working through being traded and all that. But I think you just need to find that team for each player. And then that unlocks their full potential. I, I don't know. I'm still of the opinion that, this is a good situation for Lonzo to be in. And I think that was kind of reflected in the fact that they brought in Rajon Rondo as Mm -hmm. like one of those, uh, as the kind of the vet for him, because I think that they have, they have a similar play style in the set. And I, I don't know if uh, Lonzo will reach the level of like prime Rondo because prime Rondo was one of the, Best passers of all time. Yeah, also one of the three or four best point guards in the NBA. Mm -hmm. At his height. He's trash now. Okay, relax. (laughs) What I don't get is why is he starting over Lonzo? I get the the veteran presence thing, but why is he starting over Lonzo? Not even just that. What about Josh Hart? Josh Hart's been playing great. Kuzma's been playing great. Why aren't they starting? Well, Kuzma is starting now. 
Oh, he is okay. I think Lonzo. I didn't know that now too. Like after the suspension with Rondo, I think Lonzo got put in the starting lineup, and they've kept him in since then. Oh really? Yeah, yeah I think they did do huh. that. And uh, damn it, they're putting him in now, right before they play us again on Saturday. Well, I, that's kind of what I thought they would do. I thought they would start the season with like Rondo in the starting lineup to kind of like get LeBron playing with some veterans used to the system, but then also get the young guys kind of used to playing with someone like LeBron too, and then work them into the starting lineup with him, if that makes sense at all. Because adding LeBron to your team is an entirely different system than what you were playing in last year. It's entire, it changes the entire landscape of your team. But, I mean, we're kind of uh, going away from the topic of Lonzo and Young, and Who cares about Lonzo? <laughs> it was your take, man. Yeah, I know, man. That's why I'm saying Young's going to be better. Yeah, I think... Uh, I don't know, man. It's tough. If you were to ask me who's going to be better in two years, I would say Young probably. But now if you said in, you know, five, six, seven, that's it's more of a toss-up for me because I think Trey Young is going to be quicker to develop. Um, but I think Lonzo's ceiling is higher. Yeah, I'm Team Lonzo on this. Uh, From a scoring debate, I think Trey Young is always going to have him, but it's like the problem is uh, Trey Young is always going to be undersized, so defense is always going to be a problem. Yeah. yeah, I think just for like all the reasons that I laid out, that I think that Lon- I I'm Team Lonzo on this. I've I've been big on him ever since I first started watching him in college, and I'm still big on him now. Oh, it's fair, I guess. Yeah. Uh, do you guys have any other thoughts? I think that's it. All right. We'd like to thank everybody for tuning in to this week's edition of Small Ball Market. Be sure to so rate us, subscribe on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to rate us five stars only, please. Please, um, yes. Be sure to follow our Twitter account at Small Ball Market. That is at Small Ball Market. Um, be sure, if you have any questions for us, email us. Uh, smallballmarket at gmail.com or slide uh, into those DMs. Slide into our DMs. We're always watching. Um, also follow our Instagram. We got we got some stuff going on that, but things are going well. Um, but yeah, other than that, we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye bye.